Well, good morning. It is great to see you. Glad you've decided to be with us and worship with us this morning. Uh, my name is Daniel. As Sam just prayed, I'm one of the pastors. And uh, it's been a joy for me uh, the past few weeks to see more and more people coming back to in-person worship and gatherings. And prayerfully, we're starting to come out of this pandemic and living and not, not like we were pre-pandemic, uh, but embracing what life is like now. And I hope we all see and believe that we are created to be in relationships, uh, that we need one another, we need community, we need the church. And uh, I've been thankful, uh, particularly for our city groups and our city group leaders, all who've been weathering this pandemic and uh, some meeting outside uh, for a while and others allowing medical workers to join virtually. You've pressed on to be together as a community around the grace of Jesus. And I'm really thankful uh, for our city groups and our city group leaders. And, and also talking about gathering back together. We had an incredible uh, new members class yesterday, uh, one of our largest classes ever of people just wanting to learn more about the church. Us as pastors getting to share about our church and getting to see uh, everybody there share how they came to know Jesus and trust and follow Christ. And uh, that was a joy. Uh, our college Sunday school and 50-ish Sunday schools, uh, maybe you're here and you were just in those. And that's been exciting to see happening. And as Evan said earlier, the Embrace Seminar that's coming up February 26th with Fabian Anderson and Pastor Evan, excited about that. And I don't know if in the eight years of our existence I've ever been as excited as I am for us to enter into Lent as a church together on March 2nd uh, on Ash Wednesday. And extremely grateful uh, that the church is God's plan A for building his kingdom. And I'm really grateful for this church, for Christ Central. Uh, if you don't know, uh, we have been in a series for a number of weeks in 2 Corinthians, and we're continuing in that series this morning. We've titled our series, Power and Weakness. Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter uh, from a place of deep affection and deep love for the Corinthian church and people there in Corinth. Corinth uh, at this time was a booming and bustling city where performance, success, appearance, status, money all garnered power. And so Paul is writing passionately about that which is central to all of his writings and theology, the gospel pattern of Jesus Christ, death and resurrection, that crucifixion leads to new life, power not through strength, but power through weakness. And so we're in chapter four this week, and we're going to read the whole chapter uh, together this morning. And so if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we give attention to God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. 
always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Isaiah tells us the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's pray together. Lord God, I ask that you would come and by your spirit illumine the words that I just read so that our minds might be quickened, our hearts softened, our lives willing to walk in the truth of encountering you. I do pray that you, Jesus, would be the one who speaks and I would get out of the way so that Christ would be proclaimed as Lord. And I pray that you would meet us right where we are, that you would transform us. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, the, the most read New York Times article in 2021 was an article by Adam Grant. Some of you read this article. Uh, let me read a little bit of it to you, see if you can relate to it. This is what he wrote. Colleagues reported that even with vaccines, they were still not excited. A family member was staying up late to watch National Treasure again, even though she knows the movie by heart. And instead of getting out of bed at 6 a.m., I was lying there till 7 a.m. playing words with friends. Grant continues, it wasn't burnout. We still had energy. It wasn't depression. We didn't feel hopeless. We just felt somewhat joyless and aimless. It turns out there's a name for that, languishing. Languishing is a sense of stagnation and emptiness. It, it feels as if you're muddling through your days, looking at your life through a foggy windshield, and it might be the dominant emotion. He continues, in psychology, we think about mental health on a spectrum from depression to flourishing. Flourishing is the peak of well-being. You have a strong sense of meaning, mastery, and mattering to others. Depression is the valley of ill-being. You feel despondent, drained, and worthless. Languishing is the neglected middle child of mental health. It is the void between depression and flourishing. It is the absence of well-being. End quote. The title of Adam Grant's article was this, there's a name for the blah you are feeling. It's called languishing. I think this was the number one article in 2021 because it rang true. And I think it still rings true, that feeling of stagnation, feeling empty, like life is lived through a foggy windshield. Grant calls it languishing, this absence of well-being. You just feel blah. 
Well, the Apostle Paul has a different way of saying it. He calls it losing heart. And he frames our passage in verse 1 and verse 16 with this call, do not lose heart. What a much needed word for us, church. Do not lose heart. Let me, let me say it positively. Keep heart. Live with heart. Okay, Daniel, it's easier said than done. It's been a long season. You don't know all I've experienced. You don't know what I'm experiencing right now. That's true, I don't. But God has a word for us this morning through the Apostle Paul. And there's three things that I want to highlight that Paul suggests will help us not lose heart. That will help us flourish and not languish. The three things. The first, we need to see what God is doing. Secondly, we need to embrace what God is using. And lastly, we need to hope for what God is promising. Let's look first at see what God is doing. We see this in verses 1 through 6. Look at Paul in verse 1. He says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Paul is referring to the ministry of the Spirit of God and the transforming grace of Jesus that I preached about last week that Paul wrote about in chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians. And then he goes on to defend himself here in verse 2. And if you've been with us, Paul has been defending himself quite often in this letter. And he, he says he doesn't go about ministry in a deceitful and cunning way as some do. Rather, he speaks the truth of Jesus and he does it with integrity. And then Paul gives his job description in verse 5. Look at verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. How about that for a job description? Get out of the way and preach Christ as Lord. Get out of the way and preach Christ as Lord. I've always loved the request of those who come up to Philip while worshiping at the feast in John chapter 12, verses 20 to 21. When they come up to Philip and they say, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. That's a great request. And I, I have some pastor friends who, who have engraved on their pulpits John 12, verses 20 to 21. Sir, we wish to see Je Jesus. They have it on their pulpit so that as they get up every time to preach, they envision hearing the congregation asking, we wish to see Jesus. For surely that is the goal of preaching, to get out of the way and preach Christ as Lord. That is our prayer here at Christ Central. Please, Lord, may they see Jesus. It's never about someone seeing how smart a preacher is how good of a storyteller a preacher is or how inspiring a preacher is. The prayer and the goal is may they see Jesus. Now this job description, get out of the way and proclaim Jesus as Lord, is, is not just for the vocational pastor. It's for all Christians, no matter your vocation. Every Christian is a servant, an assistant, introducing people to Jesus through the way that we live our lives as employees, students, neighbors, friends, citizens, through the way, uh, the words that we speak about Jesus, it, it would be folly for an assistant or a servant to try to act like a boss. The job description of all Christians is not just to introduce people to someone who's merely a good leader, but we have the honor of introducing people to the King of Kings, in the Lord of Lords, we proclaim Christ because verse 6, for God said, let light shine out of darkness and has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We preach Jesus 
because he's the only one who holds all the power. And what kind of power does Jesus have? He has creational power and recreational power. Verse 6 is echoing Genesis chapter 1. When God said, with a word, let there be light, and he created. So Christ and Christ alone has the power to create and to recreate transformed hearts that are no longer darkened and blind, but behold the glory of God. So to not lose heart, for us, for us to move from languishing to flourishing, we need Jesus to gift us eyes to see how he is at work creating and recreating in us and in all around us. We need to trust that Jesus is at work and he gives sight to the blind. He removes the veil. He has the power to clear the foggy windshield of our minds and our hearts so that we can see even in the midst of suffering and pain, Christ the King is at work creating and recreating transformed lives. And this creational and recreational power of Jesus and of of Jesus alone, it it moves us to trust that there is no mountain too high nor valley too low in which his power is not greater. There is no person too sinful nor heart too hard by which Jesus cannot transform. So do not lose heart, brothers and sisters. Jesus is at work. And may he gift us eyes to see what he is doing. Another way for us not to lose heart is we need to embrace what God is using. Look at verses 7 to 12. Look at verse 7 specifically. Paul says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. I imagine Paul writing this letter uh, to the church in Corinth, and he's speaking about the incredible ministry of the Holy Spirit, the transforming grace of Jesus, and he looks at, at himself in the mirror, and the best metaphor he can come up with to describe himself And all Christians is a jar of clay. We are jars of clay. Jars of clay, they they were used for everyday living. They were very, very common, very ordinary, not special, not spectacular. Everybody had them and and people used them to store things in. Nobody took notes of, of jars of clay any more than someone today might take note of a Folgers coffee can. But like some people use Folgers coffee cans to hide their treasure, jars of clay were often used to hide a family's treasure. Where do you hide your treasure? Maybe it's a Folgers coffee can. Maybe you have a special drawer in your home somewhere. Maybe you hide it behind a safe. I mean, people keep valuables in strange places. In 2014, a small group of recent college graduate students, uh, uh, of college graduates, Uh, went to their local Salvation Army uh, in New Paltz, New York, to buy a couch for their home uh, on a tight budget. And so they came across this couch at the Salvation Army, sat two to three people comfortably, and they ended up bargaining for the couch, and they bought it at the grand total of $20. So they brought it to their home, they sat on it, they found it to be a little more lumpy than they had realized at the store, and, and they tried to smooth it out, but they couldn't. And they started to unzip the couch and they began to pull out hundreds and hundreds of $100 bills. By the, by the time they stopped counting, $40,000 had fallen out of this $20 couch. Y'all want that couch, right? <laughs> I won't go to the Salvation Army today. 
they all found themselves with a moral dilemma. And so they ended up calling the Salvation Army. They located the owner, and she was uh, an aging and uh, elderly woman, uh, and, uh, and she had passed away. But while she was aging and ailing, uh, her children bought her a mattress to sleep on instead of the couch. And then the children, at the passing of their mother and, and father, uh, donated this couch to the Salvation Army. Well, they found out that their mother and father had been keeping their treasure in what seemed like trash. God in his infinite wisdom and that which is like folly to this world puts his treasure in jars of clay. He puts his treasure in a bunch of cracked pots like you and me. Don't, don't miss this illustration. Paul is saying that the thing that is good and beautiful about you is not you. It's about what's inside of you. And God takes his most valuable possession and he places it inside of you. And God knows that we're broken and fragile and corruptible. And yet he chooses to place the spirit of Christ inside of us so that through our brokenness, through our being afflicted but not crushed, perplexed but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, through our dying, the treasure of Christ, the life of Christ might break forth from us into the world. The treasure is strong. The treasure cannot be broken. The treasure is not corruptible. And it's exactly our cracked potness, our weakness, our frailty that allows for God's power to break forth. So let me encourage myself and, and you. Pastors are human crackpots like everyone else. Please never exalt a messenger more than the message. Pastors, myself chief among them, will let you down. We are earthen vessels, jars of clay. It's why we pray, may they see Jesus. And let me encourage you precisely. Do not lose heart when you fall and when you stumble, when you sin, when you fail in this life because the treasure is not you. It is Christ in you. Don't be so sure of yourself, so arrogant that you think the container is greater than the content. The treasure is Christ in you. He is the hope of glory. And God knows we're weak and we're broken and so he fills us up with himself so that through our weakness and through our brokenness, the life of Christ, not our life, but the life of Christ might pour forth into this world and bear fruit. Let me say it a little bit more clearly as one commentator put it. We might be tempted to think that the natural equation is my weakness plus God's power equals my power. No. It is my weakness plus God's power equals God's power. If as Christians we think we embrace our weakness for a season and then God strengthens us so that we can move out in our strength, we are gravely mistaken. We remain weak. We grow in embracing our weakness. We become ever weak so that Christ and Christ alone is ever strong. Someone once asked St. Francis how he was able to accomplish so much. And he replied like this. He said, this may be why the, the Lord looked down from heaven and said, where can I find the weakest, littlest man on earth? Then he saw me and said, I have found him and he won't be proud of it. He will say that I'm only using him because of his insignificance. Have you embraced your weakness as a way of life? 
It will not make you strong. It will lead to embracing more weakness. But that's exactly what God has chosen to be the wisdom of God in the folly of this world. His treasure in jars of clay. A bunch of cracked pots like you and me. Don't lose heart. Lastly, don't lose heart. Hope for what God is promising. We see this in verses 13 to 18. Verse 13, Paul quotes David in Psalm 116. I believed, so I spoke. And in referencing this verse, Paul is referring to the whole of Psalm 116 where King David is delivered from death. So what what is happening is Paul is identifying with David in his pain and in that which feels like death. And Paul is trusting that just as David was delivered, so will he be delivered. But it was not just the past that gave Paul confidence. It was what Jesus promised in the future. Resurrection. Look at verse 14. He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Why? Our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Let me clarify because it's often misunderstood. Paul in verse 16 is not talking about the physical passing away and the non-physical remaining. He's talking about the present world with all of its brokenness, with all of its pain. The present world will pass away. And the future world, the new heavens and the new earth that Jesus will bring, this is the eternal weight of glory. Weight of glory, it it means of substance, the thing that will last. The future world that comes through resurrection is the eternal weight of glory. We may not always have the eyes to see it in the here and the now, but it is more real than that which is presently visible but transient. For the present world is light and temporary and it will pass away. Now catch what Paul is not saying. Paul is not saying we aren't concerned about the present because it's going to pass away, but rather the future informs how we live in the present. So if we fix our eyes on the things that are seen, our circumstances, our resources, our timetables, our plans, then we will lose heart because these things are like chaff. Here today and blown away tomorrow, the things of this world are light and momentary, but the things not seen yet, because one day they will be seen, the things not seen yet, the resurrection of all things, the new heavens and the new earth, eternity, this is the weight of glory and nothing can thwart it. Jesus will come again and the dead in Christ will rise and join him. As Revelation 7 says, and every tongue, tribe, and nation will gather in song of praise. And what we now behold dimly in a mirror, we will see face to face. Have you lost eyes for the unseen? Are you only living for that which is visible? C.S. Lewis said, whatever is not eternal is eternally out of date. Hear me, if, if, if you're living to just get out of this pandemic and get back to normal... If you're living for that bonus or if you're living to graduate or living for that promotion, if you're living to get married, if you're living for the next vacation, if you're living to become an empty nester or if you're living for retirement, you will lose heart because this present world is light and momentary. 
But if you're putting your hope in all that God is promising, which is of substance and eternal, you will keep heart. You will live with heart. That blah you're feeling, it's called languishing. I know we've all felt it. We still feel it. Stagnant, empty, like life is lived through a foggy windshield. It's why we decline invites to things we aren't sure we really want to attend anymore. It's why our intentionality to, to pursue people or to pursue things has declined. We just feel blah. We're in danger of losing heart. Maybe we've lost heart. But may it not be so Christ central. Because I really believe that what God is doing is raising up. He is resurrecting his people to live with full hearts of people who have eyes of faith that see Jesus is at work all around us, of people who embrace our weakness, confident that life's not about us, but it's about the treasure inside of us, and of people who hope in the resurrection of all things, allowing the future world to inform how we live in our, in our present life. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would help us Help us, Lord, to have eyes to see you at work. Help us to embrace our weakness. And Lord, help us to put our hope in the things unseen. Do what only you can do. Gift us faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.